welcome to Your Best Riding Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so glad you're listening in today. We're sharing how to research like a pro. My industry expert is Lisa Carter. Lisa is a multi-published author who describes her romantic suspense novels as sweet tea with a slice of murder. I love it. Her novel, The Stronghold, won a Daphne du Maurier and Under a Turquoise Sky won the Carol Award. She also writes contemporary romance with Love Inspired. The popular matchmaker series is set in our familiar territory, the Blue Ridge Mountains. Lisa, welcome to Your Best Writing Life. Thank you so much, Linda, for having me today. I'm so excited to talk to you about research. That's really one of my favorite things about writing, the whole thing of research. In fact, I can get lost in it sometimes, and I have to remind myself that at some point I have to stop the research and get my butt in the chair and start writing. So I just think that we have such a wonderful opportunity as authors to learn new things in research, and it helps to make our stories as realistic and accurate as possible. And throughout my career, um, I, I just turned in my 28th book to my editor. Woo. I have had to do a lot of research over the years for a lot of different topics, ranging from PTSD to law enforcement, to forensics, to Alzheimer's, to the WITSEC program, World War II, uh, just anything you can think of. Um, I have had to find uh, good sources to get the information I needed so that I could further my story. Oh, this is good. You're exactly who we need to have here today because we have so many listeners, Lisa, that struggle in this area. So I am glad that you're on board. I have multiple questions that we're going to get to. But if you don't mind, I would like us to kind of just take a little moment here. And I had asked you if there was something that maybe our listeners might not read in your bio I am a native North Carolinian, and I have very passionate opinions about ACC basketball and barbecue. You don't want to get me started. And Linda, because I want us to be friends, I'm not going to share my thoughts on Texas barbecue with you. But know that we in North Carolina believe that our way is the best way, the right way, the only way that you should eat barbecue. And also, just so you know something about me, I'm the kind of person that gets a cupcake and I lick the icing off first. So I'm really in it for the frosting, but there you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, we do have something in common. I probably go for the icing too. So this is really <laughs> great. Oh, I am glad that you are here with us. Let's go ahead and dive into our content for today on how to research like a pro. So here's my first question. All right. What is the researcher's creed? And why should writers follow it? This is really important. Um, some of the things I'm going to share with our listeners are the gold standard for researchers, uh, professional journalists, and historians. And as an author, we write, we create these stories at our peril if we have not done 
the, the research beforehand. So basically, let me share with you what the researcher's creed is. Um, number one, when you're doing your research, you should not wing it or try to guess. You need to check out as many sources on this particular topic as possible. And when you're doing that, make sure to see if you can discern whether whether the author of this article you're reading or uh, this book or whatever the source is, see if they have a, a slant or an agenda that they're writing into this information because you need to be able to filter truth from opinion as a researcher yourself. And I also encourage writers to visit multiple sources in gathering research, whether it's online uh, or written accounts. You need to vary your research venue. Um, professional researchers, there's something called the rule of three that must agree. And if you don't remember anything else from our time today, I hope you will remember that, that in research, you, you want to think of that rule of three must agree. Any piece of information uh, in your topic that you've researched, you need to be able to find that in at least three sources um, to verify that it is actual truth and not just some piece of speculation or misinformation. And so once you've um, ascertained that, then you can include that nugget of information into your work. And so then the second part of the researcher's creed would be to, when you're doing your research, take legible, precise notes but steer clear of plagiarism. You need to err on the side of caution. The third thing in the researcher's creed is to fact check these details that you've acquired during your research. You need to fact check them during the actual writing process and in the rewriting stage. Don't trust your memory. Readers will spot errors and this will damage their trust in you as an author. The fourth thing in the researcher's creed is to be careful not to fudge any historical or contemporary events to dramatize your storyline. You need to understand the difference between anecdotal um, information and what actually happened. Your great-granddaddy's version of his experience at Iwo Jima, for example, is just one slice of the whole pie. It's his perspective and not the whole enchilada. It's kind of what cops do when they're uh, interviewing witnesses to a traffic accident. Um, everybody's got their own viewpoint, their particular angle with which they saw the accident. So you need to treat anecdotal information that you acquire during your research with caution, because the truth may actually lie somewhere in the middle. The fifth thing in the researcher's creed is you've got to think beforehand, how are you going to keep your source material organized? By the time you've done a thorough job on your research, you're going to have accumulated books, articles, links, interviews that you've done. And, you know, often as an author, I'm contractually obligated to keep this um, research information for a certain length of time should my publisher require it for any reason. So you need to develop reliable sources and your, your reputation and your publisher is on the line. So keep it organized. The sixth thing I would say about the researcher's creed is that 
Research allows us as authors to construct the most realistic and accurate story possible on that subject matter, and it grounds you as an author in truth, and it frees your imagination to take it from there. But this is the cautionary tale with number six. Research should pepper your novel, not overwhelm the story. A little bit of research goes a long way, so always keep that in mind. The seventh thing, as far as the researcher's creed is that I would um, say, is that as you do more of it, you're going to be honing your instincts as a researcher, um, which is such a, a another hat that we as authors have to learn to wear. And eventually, you'll begin to trust your instincts as you're doing your research. Your your author nose becomes like the nose of a finely tuned canine, and you're going to learn to sniff out those nuggets of gold. That happened for me when I was riding under a turquoise sky, for instance, which won the carol that year. I'm researching Navajo culture, and I ran across this legend of the turquoise stone. And when I read that legend, something like the hairs on the back of my neck sort of pricked up, and I thought, oh, this is it exactly. This is basically the entire emotional story arc of my main character. And I was able to take what I had learned and incorporate it into the storyline. And I think the connection made just a world of difference with readers able to connect with the journey that he was on. And then the final thing I would say is part of the researcher's creed, number eight, and I say this because I write inspirational fiction, romantic suspense, and contemporary romance. You need to pray a lot and trust Mm. God to provide those encounters of serendipity that can only be explained by him. For instance, my my latest um, romantic suspense novel, which is also set in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, it's called The Sound of Falling Leaves. It's based on an actual 50-year-old cold case murder that happened there. And the best thing you can do as a researcher is to visit the place where you're setting your story. Sometimes we can't do that, and I'll talk more about that a little bit later, but I was able to visit this little town where this cold case murder happened. And I was just gathering my research and I, I happened and I say, you know, we don't believe in circumstance under the providence of God, but he allowed and arranged. I just happened to meet this person who as a child knew the person who was murdered and all the key players in that particular Mm. case. And she just began sharing with me and it gave me a completely different perspective on the ground information in the trenches that proved so valuable in sparking my imagination for, for recreating my fictionalized account of that murder. And so, you know, just be aware as a researcher that that praying that God will provide those encounters at just the right moment that you need it. Wow. I am here. I can't type fast enough to to write down. This is fantastic. And I like that it's a creed because it's something if I'm dedicating myself to writing words, writing novels, writing books worth reading, I want to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can do. And these points are excellent for all of us to be able to follow. This is fantastic. 
Fantastic. Very, very good. All right. So what areas do you concentrate on when you're doing your research for a novel? Well, I'm going to repeat it again that nothing beats being able to actually visit the place, the setting where you're you're putting your novel. But sometimes you can't do that, whether it's money or time stopping you. When I wrote The Stronghold, for instance, that won the Daphne that year, um, it's set in the no man's land of uh, the drug cartels, that area on the border between Arizona and Mexico. And I had been to Arizona, the Southwest, many times, but for obvious reasons, I was not able to do my research in the land of the drug cartels. So again, I had to rely on other sources. And that's what I wanted to share with you, three areas where I concentrate my research. Um, The three areas would be online research. I do that first. Then I will move into print, that area, anything in print that I can find. And then the third area in which I concentrate my research is what I refer to as local experts. So in talking about online research, um, I start by doing a general search of the topic that I need research information on. And, you know, I start with Wikipedia. Now, I do not rely on any information that I get from Wikipedia because, again, remember, that rule of three, it has to agree. But at the end of every Wikipedia article is usually a bibliography, and that's gold. That is where you can really find articles and and websites and blogs and other places to direct your research and target there. Um, When you're looking for research on a particular setting, uh, maybe it's set in a real city like Boston or Chicago or San Antonio, don't neglect to check to see if that city has a website um, because you can find information about restaurants and shopping and activities and all kinds of things that will give that sense of realism that's invaluable in, in writing even a fictional work. Also, I would encourage you to check out travel articles or travel blogs that are dedicated to certain locales, Um, because the the wonder in this is that you can begin to imagine your character experiencing things in that setting. And again, that just sparks that imagination so that when you finish gathering your research, you can begin um, to really delve into that storyline. Another thing I would encourage you to look for in your online research is to fly there virtually with Google Earth. Um, It gives you a satellite view of everything from small town Mississippi to research stations at the South Pole. And you can practice by typing in your address, your city, and you can find your house. And if you click on the street view icon, you can stand virtually in your own front yard. And there's even a gallery feature that accesses historical map overlays that can give you 3D views of castles and just all kinds of of uh, bonus features like that. Uh, Another place to begin online is to find photo sharing sites like Google Images, Getty, iStock, to find um, pictures of the setting or even putting together 
profiles of the characters that you're creating. Um, there's another thing called geograph.org.uk where they have photographed every square kilometer of Great Britain. So if you write historical, anything set in the UK, that would be a valuable resource for you. Um, And then as far, uh, one more thing in talking about this online area is that I always check Pinterest. I mean, type in the topic that, you know, you're interested in, like in, in a setting particularly, and you may find wonderful photos that you can put together your own Pinterest board um, that's part of your research for that novel, whether it be setting or characterizations or even plot storylines. Now, the second area that I always try to delve into would be anything that's print material. And this is where, as an author, you really need to develop your resources at your local library. The local librarian should become one of your best friends. Interlibrary alone is a godsend for a writer. And you can they can help you find books and articles and magazines and things that you might not even realize are out there but so develop those sources and so i will have done my research online then i'll request a lot of things from interlibrary loan the local librarian will be helping me and when i'm researching setting which is one of my favorite things to do um i think in a lot of my books setting becomes sort of a character in and of itself. And so for me, you'll hear I talk a lot about setting, but I start with guidebooks. I wrote a book called Aloha Rose, one of my first books, and it was set in Hawaii. And and a guidebook was just invaluable for me to get the flavor and the sense of place that came that you can only get sometimes if you go there, but the guidebook is the next best thing. Um, Don't forget to check out maps. When I was writing A Vast and Gracious Tide, um, which is uh, a contemporary romantic suspense novel set on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, the maps proved really invaluable for me staging the the crimes and the murders that happened and, and, you know, just all of that kind of information. I encourage you to see if you can find journals or travelogues from the past, from explorers and missionaries. They were basically tourists of the past. And a lot of times you can find that unique flavor, atmosphere of the place by looking at these journals and travelogues. Also diaries, bios that were published during the same time period For example, uh, diaries published during World War II, you can get a hint of the fashion, the food, the social mores, the attitudes of that time period. And then the third area is what I call consulting the local experts. Now, if it is a well-known location that you're setting your novel in, for example, if you're setting a novel in Gettysburg, that is such a well-known place. So many people have been there that you're going to have to be really careful in your research so that your details are accurate. I'll give you an example. A film, Disney movie called uh, Pocahontas, 
Uh, love the songs, love it all. But when I'm watching it in one scene, and you may remember this, Pocahontas is standing on a cliff. She's singing wonderfully, and then she dives off the cliff into the, the water. Well, for any of you who, who are familiar with the East Coast, who are familiar with Tidewater, Virginia, where the whole Jamestown Pocahontas story played out, you know that in Eastern North Carolina, Eastern Virginia, Tidewater, Virginia, there are no cliffs. I mean, we're at sea level here. So Mm. it totally blew me out of the movie because I thought whoever did this movie, it makes a great visual scene, I guess, but it's totally not accurate. So those of you who are writing stories that are set in well-known places, whether contemporary or historical, you've got to be careful more than ever to make sure that your details are accurate. There is no substitute for local knowledge. And if you can find a local expert and that they are willing to vet your manuscript, that's that's just invaluable. When I was researching Beyond the Cherokee Trail, which is a split time novel, there's a contemporary storyline and then there is juxtaposed against the historical Trail of Tears that happened in the 1830s where the Cherokee Indians were removed from uh, a lot of the southern states, and it began in North Carolina and marched over the mountains to what is today, present-day Oklahoma, I was able to meet with a Cherokee historian in this area of western North Carolina, and he was just so invaluable, checking what I had already gathered, my timeline of events, historical accuracy for what the Trail of Tears was actually like. And and he was just so great about even recommending other sources, other places I could go to answer particular questions that crop up during the writing stage itself. Mm -hmm. And when I was able to go and visit him and meet him face to face, while I was there, he even suggested, and he had to give me directions on this hand-drawn map deep, deep in the woods in this wilderness area of the Snowbird Mountains of North Carolina, where he said, if I was, you know, really good about following this little path, I'd see where the wagons that were used to collect the Cherokee and take them into custody and eventually march them over the mountains, where you could still see where the wagon wheels had made ruts in the ground. My husband was with me. We took this little trek into the mountains one morning, and it truly was kind of an an eerie experience. It was, I saw the wagon ruts there, in the deep in the woods, at one point, I guess this had been a, a semi civilized area, but now it had been overgrown. But it was almost an eerie feeling to stand there where such tragedy had happened in the 1830s. And, and you could almost feel the atmosphere there, the sorrow, the pain. And don't you know that all of that went into making that scene in my book so much more realistic um, and visual? for the reader. And so it's that kind of thing that if you can consult the local experts, you never know when they're going to give you this wonderful direction that will help the writing, that will help your imagination, that will flesh out the storyline. Oftentimes, I will contact a nonfiction author or a college professor for additional research um, sources. For instance, in some of my forensic type 
research. I have a medical doctor who I consult with. Um, when I wrote the Coast Guard series for Love Inspired, a retired Coast Guard captain was so helpful to me, Captain Jim. He and I became good friends. He really helped me to get the, the, the flavor of what it was like to be in the Coast Guard. I've consulted sheriff deputies, um, helicopter pilots when I had to learn how to fly a helicopter in my imagination so that my character could do a good job of, of that since that was his profession. That became really important. All of those levers and things that, you know, I didn't know anything about, but it made sure that I didn't make any mistakes. Check out small history museums or historical societies, because oftentimes they're eager to find someone that's interested in their topic, and they're just so passionate about their particular topic. And again, that came in when I contacted the Cherokee Historical Society and got such a wealth of information for Beyond the Cherokee Trail. Um, travel bloggers are great sources. Um, you can correspond with them about questions. There was a lot of bloggers about Hawaii, and I was able to get lots of information off the beaten path kind of information that locals would know that maybe a guidebook wouldn't necessarily mention, but it made my book, my character's experience, so much richer for the reader. But I'm going to say this, and it's very important. Make sure that you do all of your initial research, and we're talking online print research before you ever contact a live person, because you don't want to waste their time. And once you've done that other research, online and print material, it gives you the information you need to target your questions to the person when you're finally in person together, and you're interviewing them about a topic. So don't forget to do that. Also, some other things uh, that writer friends of mine have mentioned that were important in their research, visiting art museums. You can't go back in the past, although wouldn't that be cool if we could do that? <laughs> um, but you can certainly go into a museum and look at the paintings, that the culture, the art is, is so reflected in, in paintings and sculptures. So think about that if you can't go back in time to the Renaissance. Um, and speaking of the Renaissance, I have a writer friend who faithfully attended Renaissance festivals because she wrote a series of books set during that time period. I have another friend who wrote Scottish Romance. She took a Scottish dance class where she learned to do the Highland Fling. I have joined a garden club because one of my main characters was a, a landscape architect. And if you write suspense of any variety, I would encourage you to attend the Writers Police Academy. I've been three or four times now. They have professional law enforcement people that come, whether they're FBI, ATF, uh, all kinds of forensic people. And, you know, that's where I have developed over the years, my own source of reliable research contacts. Um, there are Civil War reenactments. There are living history exhibits. There's Pioneer Days. Um, so, you know, all of that um, helps you in getting that atmosphere, I like to call it, that makes your book come alive for the reader. Truly, this is fantastic. My mind, I'm sitting here and I'm even thinking of things. Okay, so if someone has a fire that's happened someplace, it would behoove them to go and talk to someone in the fire department. It yes. would behoove them to go and talk to those that deal with that. That is their real life 
on a day-to-day basis so it doesn't stop the reader, especially if it's set in a known area. Because just like you said with Pocahontas, you were stopped. Diving off a cliff, there is no cliff. So that would stop our reader as well. So this is fantastic. Very, very good. And as you can see, folks, or as you can hear, folks, this is a lot of information. And we have more information. Lisa has more information for you. So this is part one, and we're going to have part two, so you'll be able to listen to that as well. But before we go on to, uh, before you start scanning for part two, I want to encourage you to make sure and get a copy of Lisa's latest contemporary romance release. It is out. It's called A Chance for the Newcomer. We have that in the show notes. Everything that you've heard from Lisa, understand what her writing must be like. If you're not familiar with Lisa Carter, sign up for her newsletter. Find out when the next books are coming out. Find out more about her. Go and visit her on her website. I've got all of these links. You're going to want to know more about her before part two of this amazing episode of How to Research Like a Pro. Lisa, I have so enjoyed having you here. I can't wait for episode two. I look forward to it, and I hope you do as well. I do too. Thanks so much, Linda. It's been fun talking today. Thank you. It has been so good to be able to get this meat. It's, it's like meat and potatoes with a side of gravy. And guess what? We're going to have a download for you, and it is going to be the researcher's creed, the points that Lisa brought up. They're in the show notes. You're going to love them. Please make sure and download those. Then be sure that you go and find the next episode. So if this is the first day that we're out, you're going to have to wait a little bit to get it, but it's going to be available there. I just thank you, friends, for joining us. And please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best writing life.